Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. What event comes once a year and could change how you see the world around you? The answer? When your vision benefits renew. And now that they have, there's no better time to visit your neighborhood Pearl Vision, where they'll cover your out-of-pocket cost or insurance copay for your eye exam. Schedule your family's eye exams at pearlvision.com. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 4-30-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Lizzo gave a lesson on the racist history of Central Park. Katherine Heigl opened up about the fallout of her comments about the working conditions on Grey's Anatomy. And we'll be talking with the AV Club's Caroline Sita about what worked and didn't work in the Dear Evan Hansen movie. It's September 27th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So Casey, over the weekend, there was this Netflix fan event. Um, oh no, called- my- was it called To Dumb? Is it that one? Okay, yes, okay. <laughs> so it was called To Dumb and I literally Googled, what does T-U-D-U-M stand for? Because I had no idea that it was supposed to be like the Netflix sound, like to dumb, like when you start Netflix. Um, so I felt very dumb. No, Shayla, they- <laughs> seriously, never feel dumb about that. They came up with that name. It is very, it was very confusing. But at this event, they had like a bunch of TV shows and movies share like the release dates and like teasers. So we got stuff from like Bridgerton and this like Kanye West documentary that's happening. But we also got to see or like, yeah, it was a scene, like a trailer for um, Stranger Things season four. And I'm very excited, but also very confused. The trailer shows like all of the kids in this spooky house, like after they did this clip from the 1960s. And I'm like, okay, so we got a different decade because we've been firmly in the 80s. But then we also like, why? What is this house? It's called Creel House. I don't know. I was on Twitter trying to read fan theories because this has nothing to do with how season three ended. I I mean this in the kindest way, Shyla. <laughs> I did not know this show was coming back. <laughs> Casey! <laughs> uh, it's been on for a very long time, okay? <laughs> it is literally on season four, but sure. No, season four. <laughs> no, I am not wrong in this. There's a good amount of time in between each season. Okay, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Thank you. That must have been really hard for you as a Taurus to say to a Capricorn. It's very painful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to kick things off, during a performance at Central Park in New York City this past weekend, Lizzo took a moment to educate fans about the park's racist origins. Give back. I have to shout out that the land we're standing on is Seneca Village. 
Before it was Central Park, it was Seneca Village. And if you don't know what it is, that was an affluent African-American community that lived here in the early 1900s. And they were evicted and bulldozed so they could build this park. As we talk about climate change and making the world a better place and solving homelessness, we also have to talk about the institutionalized racism that happens in this country all the time. Lizzo went on to pose the question, if we don't talk about our history constructively, how can we build a better future? I just... Have I already said how much I love Lizzo? Because <laughs> Could you imagine if you hadn't said that before? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I, I love her so much. Like, she is consistently using her platform to talk about things, whether it's, you know, institutionalized racism, mental health. And she literally did this on, like, a national national stage. You know, you're in New York City. But this is, I, I just love her. I just no, love her. no, it is. And I mean, I did not know about this history. And as we know, growing up, g- taking history classes, they're extremely whitewashed. They do not tell the whole history. Of course, this was not taught to us because Lizzo is incredibly correct in, in how integrated racism is into this country's history. So yes, I am so happy that she said this on a bigger platform because if she did it, imagine how many people wouldn't know, including us. Like me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on to something I am sure you have lots of thoughts on, Casey. Catherine Heigl recently looked back at remarks she made to David Letterman 12 years ago about the quote, cruel working conditions the cast and crew of Grey's Anatomy faced, specifically the nearly 20-hour workdays. She addressed the comments in an Instagram post showing her support for the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees Union Strike, adding, quote, I very publicly and for many, many years after got my ass kicked for speaking up. Catherine also wrote, quote, We are making entertainment. We are not solving world hunger or curing cancer. We are telling stories. When production plows into hour 14 and beyond, they are asking our crews to drive themselves home bone tired. And that, quote, there is nothing glamorous or sexy about working past the point of exhaustion. Yeah, I mean, so I'm just going to put all the like rumors we've heard about Katherine Heigl to the side because we have heard of them from over a decade that she's extremely difficult to work with. And now after this, you know, you really do have to think about it. Was she actually difficult to work with? Were people saying it? I don't know, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about IOTSI. I am deeply care about this. IOTSI is basically everyone, like the crew, the crew of a movie and a TV show makes up IOTSI. That's the union they're in. And they are working hours that are quite literally ruining their lives. Like not being able to safely drive home at night because they're too tired, not being able to see their family members, their spouses, their children, and being asked to just like work past the point of exhaustion. And basically, for people who don't know, they have planned to go on strike. We'll see if the strike actually happens because there's needs to be a lot of conversations that happen to hopefully not make that happen, but where things will be made better for them. But it is so interesting that she talked about this because... There are people that say like, that are just like, oh, well, 14 hour days are short for like a TV show and a movie. And I'm like, yeah, they are. And that's fucked up and wrong. Right. Exactly. I literally, I love the part that she said about this is entertainment. Like we're not doctors, like we're not, you know, solving world hunger, like we're making a television show. Um, And yet the stakes seem so incredible 
incredibly high. And so many people are pushed to their limits. So I'm, I'm glad that she spoke out and it does shed a light on on how things were and are. It is because we basically we need studios or people with the money to give more money so that, hey, let's tack on two extra weeks so that we can spread out some of these hours instead or of packing them all people. in. You know, there's so, so many good things. <laughs> so many good things. Yeah, that should we done. just be in charge, Casey? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to something that I know we both have even more things oh, to say yes. about. <laughs> okay, so Shyla, the Dear Evan Hansen movie came out this past weekend, and the critical response has been underwhelming, to say the least. So the film is directed by Stephen Chubosky and stars Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and a 28-year-old Ben Platt playing a high school student. <laughs> Joining us today to talk about all of this mess is film and TV writer Carolyn Sita, who reviewed the movie musical for the AV Club. Hi, Caroline. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. So, you know, the Dear Evan Hansen movie came out this past weekend, which is an adaptation of the hit Broadway musical that came out in 2016. So without spoiling anything, can you give us a quick plot summary of the movie? You know, like what's the elevator pitch for Dear Evan Hansen? Mm-hmm. So Dear Evan Hansen centers on sort of a lonely, very socially anxious high school senior named Evan Hansen. And through this series of misunderstandings involving a letter that he writes to himself as part of a therapy assignment, Evan gets mistaken as the best friend of this outcast class mate named Connor Murphy, who dies by suicide near the start of the movie. And so Evan at first sort of only passively goes along with this lie to sort of bring comfort to Connor's parents, but he winds up sort of spinning more and more elaborate lies about this fake friendship as it starts to bring him popularity at school and a chance to get closer to his crush and sort of these stable parental figures who are who are there for him in a way that his hardworking single mom isn't always able to be. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I have not seen the musical, but I've heard so much about it, that his crush is Connor's sister. Correct. Yes. So there are many very complicated dynamics happening here. Another layer of that makes you go, so is Evan Hansen the protagonist? (laughs) Yes, there is a lot of uh, questionable behavior dressed up as sort of uplifting teen drama, I would say. Uh, uh, mm. So I remember when Dear Evan Hansen was on Broadway and it was a moment like it won multiple Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Score and Best Actor and Actress. People were obsessed with this musical, especially teenagers who call themselves the Fansons. That's fun. So what was it about the stage musical that resonated with younger audiences? I think it's absolutely the music. The songs are written by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, who are also the duo who wrote the music for The Greatest Showman, which I think similarly became a big obsession for people. And it's not uncommon, I think, for these sort of pop Broadway musicals to have a lot of crossover success. Like if you think of something like Rent or Spring Awakening or Town more recently. And I think for a lot of people, it's easy to be a fan of the show without having seen the show, like through the music primarily. And for Evan Hansen in particular, I think the sort of uplifting, I almost call it like Christian rock, like sound of the <laughs> no, music. No, that's extremely accurate. That yeah. is accurate. <laughs> I feel like that sound, it's like, I mean, it's very catchy. Like I definitely was listening to this cast recording all the time, but it's also kind of generic in its emotions. And I think it's easy to get swept up with that without maybe realizing how to sort of strange the actual plot of the show is. And maybe this movie was a little bit of an awakening moment for people who hadn't quite dove as deep with what Dear Evan Hansen was actually about. 
So did you ever get a chance to see the show while it was still on Broadway? I actually didn't. I have a classic Midwestern theater fan experience of knowing the musical mostly <laughs> through the cast recording and then, you know, the Tony performances or they'll yeah, perform on the yeah. Today Show, sort of the glimpses of it. Um, but yeah, mostly through the cast recording was my experience as well. I, I mean, I get it. I've watched the Today Show performance like five times in a row. I mean, it's, it's very good music. Mm-hmm. So catchy. <laughs> it really is. Sadly, there has not been as much love for the movie version. In fact, a lot of people are straight up hating on it. And you wrote a great review for the AD Club in which you pointed out a lot of the problems. Um, what were some of the biggest issues for you with the film? Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. And, I, you know, I do think that this was unfortunately sort of a case where, like, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I think that almost every sort of big adaptation choice this movie makes is sort of fundamentally flawed. But if I had to point to some of the biggest ones, I think, you know, on stage, one of the sort of the cool premise of Dear Evan Hansen is that you're seeing these sort of like everyday suburban teenage problems, like really heightened to big musical theater, abstract operatic proportions. But the movie, the way they choose to film it, it's much more in the tone of like a grounded indie character drama. So it's a lot of people just sort of like standing and sitting, you know, in living rooms. And I sort of think without that like visceral live quality, the like messiness of the plot and the story just becomes way more apparent. Like it's harder to sort of just get swept up in the emotion of it all. And sort of adding to that, I think, is the way the movie, I think, overthought how to present Ben Platt as a teenager. He, the actor himself is, I think he was about 27 when they filmed and he lost a bunch of weight for the role. He grew out his hair. He sort of has all these anxious mannerisms and this hunched posture. And I think he seems to be wearing like quite a lot of makeup to sort of make his skin look younger. All of these choices that I think only make him in fact, like far older than he looks in real life. And sort of, you know, this is a, a show or a movie that really hinges on its leading man just being so young and immature and anxious that you just really feel for him even when he's in the wrong. But when you have Ben Platt giving a, kind of an off-putting performance, it's just hard to connect to Evan in the way that I think so many people did when Platt played the role on stage. No, that makes sense. I mean, it really does add like another layer that they weren't intending of creepiness. Yeah, you know? yes, very much. <laughs> you know, then there's also a degree of emotional manipulation that comes with the subject matter of teen suicide, especially when it's not handled well. You know, it makes me think of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why and all of the backlash it received. And incidentally, that show aired on Netflix only a few months after Dear Evan Hansen premiered on Broadway. So do you feel like maybe this subject matter just hasn't aged well? Yeah, I think I find Dear Evan Hansen less sort of openly manipulative than I found 13 Reasons Why. I think it's sort of in a different category of thing where it's almost like I think Dear Evan Hansen is aware that Evan Hansen's behavior and these lies he spun for himself are bad and wrong, but it sort of doesn't understand just how bad and just how wrong they are. So it's sort of being like, well, we get that he was in the wrong, but here's why he's also sympathetic. And it feels like it's a, it's a movie where I want some of the other characters' perspectives to be centered a little more so that we can sort of see the experience they go through. So yeah, if anything, I think that Dear Evan Hansen is not considering its other characters' perspectives enough versus sort of being as like maybe openly manipulative as, as something like 13 Reasons Why was. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more about the Dear Evan Hansen movie. Hey. 
Don't chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, Jeep! Leaping grab to Monte Adams! Plus, watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Wow! Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back. We're talking with the AV Club's Caroline Sita about the Dear Evan Hansen movie. Now, another big issue people are having with this movie is something that's very common in Hollywood, nepotism. Now, (laughs) one of the movie's producers is Mark Platt, who happens to be the father of Ben Platt. The defenders say it's okay because Ben Platt originated the role on Broadway, but the detractors say he's way too old to play this part. So where do you come down on this? Well, I will be also very curious to hear what you guys think, because obviously a very hot button issue. I will say, personally, I sort of take like a realist view towards Hollywood nepotism. Like, I wouldn't say this is the system I would choose to build if I were building the entertainment industry from the ground up. But I'm also not sure that personally I would point to Ben Platt as like the most egregious example of somebody who's sort of coasting along solely, at least on their parents' like influence. What Dear Evan Hansen kind of reminded me of actually is the Rent movie that they did in like 2005, which also cast the original Broadway performers sort of trying to recapture the magic of the stage show. And I think similarly, they just all wound up looking way too old on screen and it felt very off-putting as well. Um, but, But really part of what bums me out about Dear Evan Hansen is that I'm actually like a Ben Platt fan. Like I feel like I've really been rooting for him since his days in Pitch Perfect. I saw him in the Chicago production of Book of Mormon where he put this like really compelling original comedic spin on, you know, a character that had been played differently originally. And I was like really impressed with that. Well, before I knew who he was or who his dad was or anything like that. And I'm I'm still committed to watching The Politician as, as messy as that show is, just because I think he's so good on it. So I, I think it's kind of a bummer that Evan Hansen ended up being so much of a misfire because I do I do find myself sort of rooting for Platt a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, like, so here's my thought on it, because yes, like, nepotism just is. <laughs> but I would not be mad if he was cast in any other of his dad's movies. And just for people who don't know, like, Mark Platt, his company, they've done, like, Scott Pilgrim versus The World, All the Legally Blondes, Josie and the Pussycats, et cetera, et cetera. They've done so many movies. And it's like, okay, put him in any of those. I think what it really comes down to for me is that they just, like, decided to really stick with him, you know? And, and it was just like... I like him. I like watching him and his stuff. He's good. 
But this probably was not the role for him, even if it was his original one. Lots of original actors get replaced in reboots of things. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, Hollywood is not the only industry where nepotism is like a factor. Um, For me, it all boils down to can he actually act? Like, you know, I would hate if someone put their kid in a movie and they had no talent. But Ben Platt, that is not the case. I think that he is talented. So I personally don't have a problem with that particular angle. It's more just like, was he a good fit for this because of his age? But yeah, I don't know. That's my take. (laughs) So, you know, the film also features Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Caitlin Dever, and Amanda Stenberg. Were there any standout performances or did that thing happen when a really good actor gets cast in a movie musical, but they can't really sing, you know, like (laughs) Russell Crowe and Les Mis? (laughs) Yeah, thankfully, no Russell Crowe in Les Mis situation. No Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia situation here. Um, <laughs> How dare you, Caroline? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I actually thought, you know, the cast, again, it wasn't really the problem here. I thought that Amy Adams and Julianne Moore in particular had some really moving moments as sort of the mother figures in this story. I think the the one moment that I did genuinely get choked up in Dear Evan Hansen is in Julianne Moore's big sort of number where she's reaching out to her son and and saying, you know, even though you consider yourself to be so broken, here's all the reasons I still love you. So I think when the movie works, it's mostly thanks to its sort of female ensemble. Um, so yeah, if, I guess if there is something to recommend about it, like we said, the music is catchy and there's some there's some nice supporting performances in there. Yeah. Is there anything else that you thought like really stood out or that you enjoyed? You know, it's interesting because it's obviously not a a subject matter that should be taken lightly by any means, but I actually think the few moments where the movie finds a certain lightness or almost a certain level of dark comedy, those were the moments that worked best for me because I think it's a little bit of an acknowledging, frankly, the weirdness of what's happening, right? Like, it is a very kind of convoluted plot, and I think the moments where we see Evan get caught up in the lie or having these very relatable sort of comedic moments of having a crush on someone and sort of there's a scene where his crush Zoe is sort of like, Hey, can I see your bedroom? And his little reaction of like, Oh my God, like my crush has to see my bedroom. I actually found that so much more relatable as teen behavior than any of the scenes where he was really playing the anxiety. So I I do wish that this, this adaptation had a few of those lighter moments to balance out the darkness. And and when they came, I was very grateful for them. So finally I have two questions. My first is looking at movie musicals in the future. Like I'm thinking about something like Hamilton and I'm like, do we just film the actual theater production and then make that the movie instead of making these weird, sometimes they don't work adaptations. And then my second question is that being said, are there any other musical movie adaptations coming out that you are actually excited to see? Yeah, I mean, I'm always a fan of, in the theater world, they're called pro shots when it's sort of like the way Hamilton is filmed where it's on stage with multiple angles, but you're getting the stage production. There was a really great one that just came out on Apple TV of it's a filmed stage production of this musical called Come From Away. It's sort of tied into uh, 9-11. It was a real life story that was turned into a musical and just really beautiful. So I would highly recommend that one. I'm always in favor of of more pro shots being out there. Um, But in terms of sort of the the big movie musicals, the, the big thing that's coming out in December is Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story, which I think will certainly be like a big, buzzy, probably Oscar contender. But the one that I'm personally 
most excited about is actually this musical that's coming to Netflix in November called Tick, Tick, Boom. And this it stars Andrew Garfield, and it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote and starred in Hamilton. And it's based on this sort of earlier semi-autobiographical musical that was written by the guy who wrote Rent, Jonathan Larson. And the trailer for this, I thought, looked really cool and looked really heightened in a way that I think, you know, if one of my critiques of Dear Evan Hansen was that it was it was almost too grounded for a musical. I'm curious and hopeful if, if Lynn will sort of lean into a little bit more of that heightened theatricality. So that's one to look out for, a little bit of a, of a less well-known show, but I'm really hopeful about that movie version. Awesome. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, anytime. It was a blast. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, Netflix, no one knows what ta-dum means. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. You've always had the feeling that there's something strange about reality. According to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, there is. On the show, hosts Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick examine neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and much more. Prosthetics are true testaments to not only human craftsmanship and ingenuity, but also to the plasticity of the human brain. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind-the-scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes. Each week, we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, you'll hear hilarious stories like this. Fun that fact. was one That's of your things too. you brought back from Latvia. Yeah, I brought back because a hoop. all professional <laughs> basketball players. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> seven foot hoop. Yeah, listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.